when I went to when I went to Duke, I um I had this moment of crisis where I realized that my my right brain was just about to like it be extinguished because mm. I was so left brained. I was so math and science oriented and so into black and white and um and I really hadn't had a, a creative thought for myself, you know. And I actually had a panic attack in a in some advanced calculus class and I ran out of the room and I went with my major. Welcome to the Female Entrepreneur Musician Podcast with Bree Noble. Bree is a musician, entrepreneur, speaker, and founder of Women of Substance Music Radio and Podcast. Bree's interviews with successful female musicians and industry pros are both inspirational and informational. She also answers your questions about the music business. Bree is on a mission to help you create great music, connect with your fans, and grow your business, and to truly become a female entrepreneur musician. You are tuned into the Female Entrepreneur Musician Podcast, where we talk about making great music, connecting with your audience, and growing your business. My name is Brie Noble, and I am excited to get this interview to you today with Megan Carey. I had such a great time talking with her. I've known her tangentially for a while, but I've never spoken to her. And boy, she is just, number one, a fun person, number two, a super nice person, and really knowledgeable and experienced as an artist and very down to earth. So I think you guys are going to love this. I just want to, uh, you know, acknowledge all of you ladies out there performing up a storm during the holidays. I know that I am in the thick of it right now, performing several times during December and, you know, just take care of yourselves. Make sure that you drink a lot of tea and uh, water with lemon and honey and get a lot of sleep and all that stuff. So you don't completely wear yourself out during this time. It can be one of the best times for performing. It can be a great money-making period for us artists, but just be sure that you don't burn yourselves out and do a little self-care, you know? Take a nice long, warm bath. Take a nice walk. Um, Spend a little time reading in your downtime. Um, Just want to make sure that you guys are really taking care of yourselves during this season when it's so easy to, to catch colds and flus and things like that when we get really busy and stressed and worn down. So enjoy the holidays for what they are. And this will be our last episode of 2017. I'll be back with you in the new year with some amazing interviews. I have already recorded several that I know you're going to really enjoy and learn from, as well as, of course, my weekly show, Indie Interactive, that will be back every week once we get going in the new year. So until then, enjoy this interview with Megan Carey, and here's a little bit of information about her. A critically acclaimed folk artist who has earned Billboard Magazine's esteemed Critics' Choice Award for Best Newcomer for her debut album and many accolades for her other albums, she joins me today to talk about her crazy story getting started in music, all the lessons she's learned along the way, how she balances things as a mother and a performer, and her new album, Sing Louder. So here is my interview with Megan Carey. So that's a little bit about Megan Carey. So Megan, is there anything that our listeners need to know about you that's a little bit different, unique, quirky, that's not mentioned in your bio? Maybe something a little more personal? Well, um, I think it might've been mentioned, but I'm a mom of two kids and the balancing act of mom and musician is a big part of my daily life. And oh yeah, I think we're going to have a lot to talk about on that one because I have right. two kids also. Right. Oh, you. Oh, you do. I, I do. How old are your kids? Uh, nine and eleven. Oh my and gosh, mine are nine and fourteen. No way. Okay, yes. girl. Well, girls or boys or both? Two girls. Two girls. Okay. I have my girl first. She's eleven, and then I have my boy. And it was perfect because, you know, she's such a mommy. Uh huh. <laughs> you'll probably, it's some, I, I can hear her myself downstairs singing. Um, you'll probably, it, it might bleed through at some point and you'll hear her. <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay. It's, you know, she's, both of my kids are very, very musical. Do your kids play music? Um, well, my, um, my older daughter just 
got into high school. And so she just started in the high school choir and we've sung a few duets together and stuff. So that's been really awesome for her. She loves it. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And the other one was in a little church choir at church on Sunday. It was really cute. Oh, <laughs> oh see, I love it. Yeah. My, my daughter sings and, um, and she is, plays the keyboards. They, but both my kids have to play piano because my husband is a keyboard player and mm. he was made to play piano when he was five you know, so that's he, good. Yeah. And he had to, and he hated it. And then he was so glad that he just was made to do it because now he's a fabulous instrumentalist and he can play, you know, keyboard is such a great thing to start with because he can play just about anything. Oh, it's so versatile and you learn theory and all that stuff. I mean, you can, you can learn how to play the guitar really well and not understand a thing about theory. <laughs> that would be me. <laughs> I really did. Not to call you out or anything. <laughs> Free, come on! <laughs> yeah, that's actually a that's a. I, I'm actually getting better now. When when the band asks, you know, well, wait, what 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 key are we in? Mm. I can tell them now. I couldn't. I I would just like show them my hands and say, "We're in the key of this." Well, what key <laughs> is that? I don't know. The one where my pinky's here and my big finger's there. That's awesome. I love that. The key of this. <laughs> the key of this. <laughs> yeah. So that's I, you know that's a big being a mom is a big part of my my world and making music and having music be a part of my kids' life kids' lives is a it's key you know because because it's it's such a a great go to whenever whenever you're feeling down. Oh yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, for sure. And we'll definitely get into more of that balancing act thing because I definitely want to talk about that. But I would love to have you, you have a really interesting story on how you got into music. So I'd love to hear that. And I I don't see like in your bio, did you start out having any music in the beginning? I know how you ended up getting into being a performer and a recording artist, but did you, did you start with music and how did you get to where you are now? So it's really interesting. Um, you know, I, when I was a kid, my mom made me play piano too, my mom and dad. Um, but I only played for about a year and then it's <laughs> going to be awful. So if you have a weak stomach, don't, don't turn, off, turn off right now. But I threw up on a baby grand piano. <laughs> oh, that was awful. It was in, it was in, we were practicing for a recital. And um, anyway, I, and so I couldn't even look at a piano for oh my gosh. a year. And I, and that was my, that was like my, entree into music and my exit from music and music was not something that I ever I just didn't I didn't think about it as a thing that I would do I was going to be a biomedical engineer I was really into math and science and um and I was you know I went off to Duke University to study pre-med and I was getting up headed for law um, for uh, med school and that was just you know that was always everyone knew oh Megan she's gonna be a doctor Megan, mm. yeah going to go into science, that's a thing. So, but I did sing. I, I sang all the time, actually, you know, just to myself, like that. I loved to sing. I loved to make that vibrating noise. And so when I went to, when I went to Duke, I, um, I had this moment of crisis where I realized that my, my right brain was just about to like it be extinguished because mm. I, so left brained. I was so math and science oriented and so into black and white. And, um, and I really hadn't had a, a creative thought for myself, you know, and I actually had a panic attack in, a, in some advanced calculus class and I ran out of the room and I oh. went and my major. Oh and my gosh. That's I crazy. I, you know, it was crazy. It was crazy. And uh, I did go back and apologize to the math teacher uh, and, and, you know, told her that, she was great and she was a great teacher, but I just, I couldn't do it anymore. I couldn't, I couldn't see um, why I was learning all this stuff and, and I, that it was easy for me. So, so I, I changed my major and of course I didn't know what to change it to. I, I tried a bunch of different things and then I stumbled into, literally stumbled into an audition for a musical and mm. I ended up auditioning for um, the best little whorehouse in Texas. Oh. Then, yeah, at, at school. And I got in and, you know, and I, and I did this and I fell in love with, with, you know, singing, which I loved to do and, and acting, which I didn't know I loved to do. I just knew I loved to perform. You know, I love to, to tell stories. I mean, I've always been a storyteller. 
So, um, so yeah, I ended up coming and leaving Duke with a, a degree uh, in drama, first in drama and a second in chemistry. And I went off to grad school to get my master's in acting because I really did not know how to act at all. Mm. And, and I did have, I went to this, this like very, very actory place for a semester to see if this is what I wanted to do. I went to the Eugene O'Neill Theater Center and there I used to walk around apparently singing all the time. And I didn't even know it, but I, I did. I, I guess I, I just hummed and sang to myself all the time. And Martin Philando stopped me and he said, Megan, do you know you sing all the time? I said, oh, do I? He's like, yes. I said, I guess, okay, well, okay. He goes, it's not good. And I was like, why? I don't understand. He said, well, he, he apparently, it was his belief that it was me living a lie. It was me trying to make people think that I was happy all the time and no one could be that happy. Mm. And I thought, well, first of all, I am kind of a happy person. And second of all, I don't sing for you. I sing for me, you know? So that's where, and, and then, and then I went off to, to school and I, and I became an actor and, and then I met my fiance doing a musical, doing a show. And, uh, and it was the only musical that I would ever be cast in. That and there's a couple that I would get be cast in because I don't have a musical theater voice at all. Mm. I have a very specifically me voice. And um, so I was doing Pump Boys and Dinettes and I met Matthew. And he was a musician and he played guitar and he sang. And, and we ended up, I ended up singing with him. Um, we'd go out and play in bars and he'd play and he'd sing all these songs. And I learned the, the lyrics to the chorus and that's it. And, um, and I loved it. I really loved it. I loved making music and harmonies. And I just, it, it, I was like, wow, this is something that fits. And, um, and then he passed away. And when he did, I, I wanted to keep something. And I, you know, I didn't want to lose the music too. So I picked up his guitar and I figured out how to play those chords that I didn't know what they were called. <laughs> and, uh, and I didn't know any songs because I only sang the chorus, uh, the harmony to the chorus to all these songs. So I didn't know any songs straight, straight through from beginning to end. So I wrote them. No, <laughs> you know, because, because I had a lot to say. I had a lot, I had a lot to put into a song. And, you know, sometimes when, when emotions are really big, they're too big for just words. And so we, we sing them and that, and that's kind of, it just all came together. And I started writing these songs, never intending to play them for anybody, but, mm, but just as therapy. Yeah. Yeah. I just wrote them because, because they showed up and, uh, and then someone, I was doing this, I was up doing a play because every theater I'd ever worked in, when, when Matthew died, they all threw shows at me to come, come to the mountains here and, and you know, heal and, and do a show. And so I was in a mount, the Catskill Mountains and I was writing these songs and some of the, the guys in the cast, it was all guys in the cast because I was the only woman in this entire cast playing the wife of this explorer who ends up dying. You know, it was just all, just all too much. Yeah. So, so anyway, they, they heard me playing these songs. And they're like, well, why don't you, you know, can we, will you come out and play them for, for us? And, and then it became a thing that whenever I wrote a song, we, you know, every night we, after the show was over, I'd pull out the guitar and I'd, I'd play them the songs I'd written. And uh, so that's how I started playing them for people. Wow. It, now, how old were you at this time? I was uh, 26. Okay. I mean, that's a lot to go through yeah. at that age. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't, I, you know, I certainly wasn't prepared. And I had, and I was still in that idyllic, you know, that, that age of idealism where I really believed that um, the plan I had was going to be the plan that happened because I had this plan. I was going to marry Matthew and we were going to have two kids and we were going to live, you know, in the, Virginia. We, you know, we, I had a whole plan. And, um, and it all just went you know, poof. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, so I, 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 when the dust cleared, I found myself on this completely different track. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, how did you go from like, I just started playing these songs for people to, I think this is the direction I want to go and I'm going to, you know, record and I'm going to perform and all that. 
Well, you know, I have, I actually wrote a one woman play about this because, because it was, I did not go into this uh, without a lot of kicking and screaming. I mean, I was still in my mind, a biomedical engineer who thought it would be fun to be an actor. You know I, mean? <laughs> I was really just not. <clears throat> and um, so I, you know, I was doing the last show of the summer after Matthew died. And, um, and I had to go back to New York to talk to some, um, the bartender at O'Flaherty's, which is place, one of the places we would play in New York where I would sing with him. And, and, uh, and I went in to tell him that Matthew couldn't do his show that was coming up. And, um, he's this Irish guy and I can't remember that. Ronan, Ronan was his name. Very Irish guy. Oh. And, I, and I said, you know, Ronan, I, I'm so sorry, but, um, you know, Matthew's not going to be able to play his, his gig next week. And he said, Oh, well, why not? And I said, well, you know, he died. And Ronan just looked at me, this quizzical look, and then he said, well, then, can you play it? Oh. And I was like, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> so that was his response to, you know, my fiancé. He, he only knew him as my musical partner, but that he had died was, oh, well, then, can you play the gig? Because oh, my I, gosh. You know. <laughs> so, so I did, and it was a, um, I, had a, I had three 45-minute sets, and I had a handful of songs that I'd written that were, you know, enough, like six songs that I felt like I could actually play for people in this bar. And, uh, and then I'd learned Bobby McGee and Angel from Montgomery. All mm. So I, I filled three 45-minute sets with those songs and a lot of stories. And, <laughs> and by the end, the one song, New Shoes, which uh, was one of my most popular ones, I guess, at the time. I'd done, I did it for each set, so everyone was singing along by the end, you know, because they knew it, because they stayed for three sets and, and heard this. Well, that's song. amazing that they stayed for three sets, first of all. It was, it was, it was you know, and it was, it was a mix of, of so I had so many people who um, just were, were kind of gawkers of like, wow, what the heck? Megan Carey, she's, she's making music? What's she, she's singing. Like, huh. we have no one. She's going to play music. Did you know she played music? No, I didn't know. You know, like that. That was... And uh, so, and then, and then I thought, well, I was encouraged to, to make a, a tape to, of these to, you know, to, to record the songs and just give them to Matthew's family and to friends and things. And, but I didn't know how to record anything. I didn't have a microphone. I didn't... I just... I had no idea. And so someone said, well, I have a friend who's a, who can help you. And, and Scott McClatchy did that. He, he told me I can record six of these songs and, um, and it'll cost this much money. And, and I just happened to have just that much money. And mm. so we started and about halfway through, he of course came to me and said, you know, um, we, we've run through the money that you have. <laughs> said, oh, he said, so we want to keep going. I said, I, I can't. So I, don't, I don't have, you know, I, I'm a living hand and mouth right now. And he said, no, no, we don't, we don't want you to pay us anymore. We just want to finish the record. Oh my gosh. And I said, okay, well, that's really nice. You know, and a lot of things have been happening this way for me. A lot of, oh God, you know, you just can't make it alone in this world. And uh, anyway, he said, but you have to, you have to promise that you'll press CDs and distribute the record. And I was like, well, what do you mean distribute it? And he said, well, you know, sell it. Like, sell it? Who's going to buy my music? <laughs> what are you talking about? And he's like, please, just press a CD and, and, and sell it. And, uh, and so I did. And that was my first CD, New Shoes. And somebody, I, I made these copies and someone sent one to Billboard magazine and they gave it that Critics' Choice Award. And it was, uh, then I was like, okay, everyone's like, okay, you're a musician now, right? And I'm like, no, not really. But okay. <laughs> so I, I, I pretended, you know, until, until it felt like for real. I think finally for real, I feel like I'm a musician. Wow. That is such an amazingly cool story. <laughs> I, so do you even know who sent your CD to Billboard? I mean, did no. someone tell you or it just was totally no. anonymous? I, there's a person, the person who told me, he said, if you picked up Billboard this weekend, it was a guy who was very in the music industry, you know? So I, I, yeah, I just did thinking that, oh, I should be, I should be looking at Billboard, I guess, every week. So I'm wondering if he's the guy, but I don't know. Oh my gosh. So, okay. So you, you, you know, you suddenly thrust into this world of music and 
did you promote the first album? Did you start going out and getting your own gigs? I mean, you had some experience with that, I'm assuming, when you worked with Matthew. Like, did you have any kind of plan or did you just kind of, you know, fall into everything that happened after that? I mean, honestly, and it, it, it's going to sound unbelievable, but I really, I didn't have a plan at all. And, um, and I, didn't, um, I, I didn't have any idea how the business worked. And all these things kept happening. They kept moving me on this trajectory. Um, I was doing the toy fair, which is this big industry thing that actors do to make money where you sell toys to all, you're in these big showrooms and you do like live commercials for all the toy companies to sell their toys to the retailers. And I was working there and, and someone had a guitar and this was, you know, after this was actually, um, before it might have been in the process of making the CD, the, the what I thought was going to be the tape, and um, and I someone had a guitar for their character, so I said, oh, you know, I can play a song, and so I played one of my songs, and um, this woman, Kathy Vanessa, she came by, she was working, she had hired me to do this as an actor, and um, she came by and she's like, Megan. I didn't know you play guitar and said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know you were saying, yeah, yeah. And <clears throat> said, is, you know, whose song is that? And I said, it's mine. She said, that's your song. And I said, hmm. Said, well, do you have other songs? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I have a couple songs. And, and you know, I'd done the O'Flaherty's thing at this point. And um, she said, well, you should, you should play at the bitter end. <laughs> I was like, you know, <laughs> right, sure, the bitter end, like, like Sean Colvin's bitter end, like the, yeah, right. And she said, no, 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 Kenny Gork is my, my best friend. Now, Kenny Gorka used to um, book The Bitter End, and he passed away a few years ago. Uh, so anyway, she called Kenny and said, Kenny, you got to listen to this, this young woman. And, and I gave him a, 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 at this point, by this point, I got someone to, to tape me doing three songs or four songs. And I, and I got, gave it to him, and he listened to it. And he calls me up, and he says, hi, you know, Megan, this is, this is, this is Kenny Gorka. And I was like, oh, Okay. Cool. I mean, like, so I, I got your your demo from from Kathy Vanessa, and and um, I'm just wondering, um, do you have more songs like the last song on this track? Because I'd given him like the first two were really sad songs. Mm. I wrote a lot of sad songs at that time, and then the last one's a little more upbeat, a little more driving, kind of maybe angry because he mm. goes that too. And um, and I was like, um, well, why? And he mm. said. Because I don't want people to come in and slip their wrists. <laughs> oh, then yeah, yeah, I've got more like that. And then he says, he says, so um, okay, well that's good. He said, do you think you could bring forty people in to the to the club to hear you? I was like, oh, um, no, I don't think so. He's like, Megan, you're not supposed to say no. You're supposed to say yes. I can bring forty people, Kenny. I said, but Kenny, I I, I don't think I can. I think I can bring about twenty. He said, but you're not supposed to say that. <laughs> said, yeah, but, but I don't want to overpromise. He said, oh, Megan, oh, my God. Okay, so you think you can bring 20? I said, yeah. He goes, well, that's what most people who say they can bring 40 can bring. Right. That's fine. So, and then, I, and then there were like 60 people. So it was all good in the end. And then that became my, my home and where, you know, he'd, he'd call or Kathy would call or I'd call him. And when, when do you want to play again? And. And, uh, and I started doing, and then, and then you meet people and then someone's like, well, let's play, you should play at the sidewalk. And so you go to the sidewalk and it, and it just kind of unrolled like that. Mm. And, um, and, and it wasn't, I didn't really start making the choices on my own until I decided that I was ready to go out on tour and go out on the road. And then I had to actually really proactively figure out where I wanted to play contact the people, get the shows, get people out to them, you know, all that. And did you do that booking yourself? I did. Okay. I did. Uh, yep. And I, uh, I, I would go on people's website that, that I knew who, who, you know, were musicians that I thought were good and that were kind of like me. It's always such a hard thing. Is that person like, I don't know. And I would go and look where they played and I call up a place, say, oh, so, you know, um, I'm a friend of Amy Spies and she's at your <laughs> club. And I thought, you see, you know, she, she's, she, my music is a lot like hers. I think we'd be a great fit. And um, I'll be down. And I learned this very early on and say, I'll be down there in August and I could play on Saturday, August 28th. Would that work for you? And I give them a date 
Mm-hmm. And like, oh, oh, yeah, um, yeah. You know, and I don't start way ahead of time, but I would give them, a, this is when I'm coming through. You want me to be here. So go ahead and book me. And, and look, now your, your work is done. Yep. Oh, super smart. So I, someone, someone along the line told me to do that. And it was one of the best, best pieces of advice in booking that I'd gotten. Give them a date. Yeah, for sure. Even if you don't, I mean, hopefully most of the time you've actually booked at like at least one thing there mm-hmm. and you know, you're really going to be there, but sometimes you don't. And you just kind of like, okay, I'm going to decide I'm going here at this yeah. time. And I'm going to tell them that. Right. And then that's where you start. And then you build. I once, I also once called a, a wrong number. I was trying to call somewhere in Asheville. I, I don't know if it was the, the, the great, the great Eagle. Remember the Great Eagle? I think that's what it's called. Um, but I called the wrong number and I got a person's home and I and I told them, I said, Oh, I'm so sorry. I said, I was trying to call the Great Eagle. Oh, why? Are you, you know, is there someone good playing there? I said, Well, I was hoping to play there. And they said, Oh, well, well, I can give you the number of the Great Eagle, but you should also play at Black Mountain. There's this great place. And oh my gosh. And proceeded to give me places to play. I was like, okay, cool. That's hilarious. Oh, those nice people in Asheville. They're very nice, John. I love Asheville. I know, right? Mm. That's so cool. I love that. I love that. And thank you for that advice. It's definitely some of the stuff that I used when I was booking myself. Now, are you still booking yourself today? I am. Well, because uh, things are very different now because I have two kids and they're Mm -hmm. school. And so I can only play on weekends and I um, I can't go too far because I need to be back. I mean, we can go overnight. We have family who helps us out if we're going overnight. But, um, but I, I have to, I have to be, um, I have to tour a little differently. It's more about doing local things and, and three hours out and three hours back kind of stuff. So I feel like that isn't going to be attractive to a booking agent. So, and, and so I've continued to do my own booking. I have an assistant who helps me a little bit with, um, uh, you know, just the it's phone like calls and things. Admin like and follow up and yeah. stuff like that. But yeah, I do a lot of personal, hey, you know, I'm coming, I'd like to play there. And, you know, it's the booking thing's tough. It's it's tough because it's that circle of, they say, well, do you have a big crowd here? And well, no, because I haven't played there yet. So I'd like to open for someone so they can start to build the crowd. And like, yeah, we need the opener to bring the people because, you know, it's, so there's this I know. You know, and I want to bring them, and I want to bring them people. So, yeah. So it's 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 a slow build out, because I'll it's a slow build out. You know, from from the center point where most of my fans are, and now I have a pretty strong uh, base here in Philly, and I still have my my gang in New York City. And so, as I as I spread out, I'm hoping that you know the little places in between will start to to fill up. <laughs> yeah. I always remember what Rachel Sage said when I interviewed her. She said, I started out in New York and I started making concentric circles just further out and further out. Yeah. And that made so much sense because you could get people to go you know, so far from where they already are to come to your shows. And then you get enough people, then you're, you've got that social proof for the people that are in that city. You know. Yep. Yep. That's exactly. And you know, with uh, social media now, you, you can really engage you know if you if you if you engage your fans to get their friends on board you know that's that's gold that's golden because that's then they're doing all the work for you you know i have a friend who or a fan who who has decided to have a potluck a potluck uh what's it called potluck cd release mermaid show party <laughs> so so she's invited all these people to her house to have a potluck dinner before coming over to the mermaid for our cd release show on friday it's like that's cool <laughs> you know yeah that's super fun right right so it's a bunch of people that that you know that i don't know that but she knows and so she's this is how she's engaging them and um that's that's when it really works uh, i love that so how do you like to engage with fans online um, you know, I'm a Facebook girl and I think that's part of, um, I've been, I've been in this for a long time and, you know, email was the thing. And when Facebook came along, I jumped on that and I, ne- I never jumped on Twitter. I mean, I, I, I do tweet and I, 
and I have people tweet for me, you know, um, but I, I'm not, I, Twitter doesn't, it doesn't work for me. And, and I think a lot of my listeners are not into Twitter, they're, but they're all on Facebook. So I use a lot of Facebook. And uh, I think it's important to know where you're, where you're. Oh, so true. Are. And, and where you feel comfortable. <laughs> like, you know, I don't, I don't feel comfortable. I'm on Twitter, but I don't feel comfortable like engaging on Twitter really. Yeah. So but Facebook feels totally natural to me. Exactly. It does. And I, I feel like it, it, it's, it's, it's all, maybe it's because uh, maybe I need more words. <laughs> I, don't know. I know I need more words. For yeah. Sure. I mean, I do. And, um, and, and the people that I'm engaging with uh, seem to need more words to respond and we, yep. and we engage. And, so. and that's good. Cause that means you're, they're really engaged. I mean, if they're just going, yep. Or that's cool. You know, that's not what we want. Right. Right. No, we want, we want to have a conversation. So that's what, yeah, I feel like it can do that on Facebook. So yeah. That's and are you using Facebook live? Yes, uh, I am. And it's funny. Um, I, the thing about Facebook Live when you're performing is that you can't really Facebook Live yourself when you're performing. So you have to set, have somebody else take your phone and trust them that they're going to do a Facebook Live thing that's going to look right, right? Right. It's actually in focus. It's actually pointed at you. Yeah, I know. Exactly. And not, you know, like got someone's head in the middle of the screen. It's like, oh, yeah, I could see, I could see your left hand. Well, oh, my gosh. Um, but, but. I, I find myself doing a lot of Facebook Live of other artists because I'll be at a show or something. I was at Aaron Nathan's and Michael Ronstadt's show, uh, their, their CD release show at Burlap and Bean on Saturday. And they were just so good. And so I did a Facebook Live. And, and you know, that's cool because, because I would like them to do a Facebook Live for me. And a lot mm-hmm. of my fans are their fans. And so, so it was, I think it was nice for, for fans to be able to check in and see on my feed, them, you know, uh, but so I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to, how to do the, the Facebook live at a show with someone else doing recording us. Do you have any, do you have any advice on that? I don't know. I think you probably just, you need to have someone that you trust that has a tripod and, you know, mm-hmm. knows where to stand and all that stuff, I think. <clears throat> and right. maybe having someone on your team, like, engaging with the people on Facebook live while it's happening. Right. Right. Because that's a big part of it too. Like you can't do that. I can't because I'm blind, right? You can say hi to them, but yeah. Right. Right. And now one of the first Facebook lives we did when, um, was before we even started recording the record, I had just written the song drive, which is on this record. And, um, I was really excited about it and it sounded really cool. I said, so Peter, and we were just working it up in the music room. I said, let's just, let's just go live on Facebook. Let's just see what happened. And we had so many people come in and, and, and watch this rehearsal, basically, of us working out this song. And, uh, and it was really, I think people felt like they were getting, getting something, getting in on the ground level. So that was cool. And, and I, I want to do more of the Facebook Live of just even, you know, when, I, when I've got a new song that I want to share before it's even ready to or maybe even been out in front of a uh, live audience, you know? Yeah. I was going to ask you if you did stuff like that. I think it's really cool to get that behind the scenes, like, you know, first to hear kind of experience yeah. with Facebook live. Yeah. I think, and, and I, I haven't, well, I've been so focused on releasing this record. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, I just have been, it's, it's been a very busy time. It's a very busy thing. Well, let's, let's hear about this new project. Like, tell us about it, what inspired it. And I also want to hear about how you got your fans involved. Mm, Okay. Yeah, that was, this, this record is, um, is my most, uh, was the most profound experience making this record. There were 73 different musical voices on this record. Mm. Um, people who sang to people who played 73 musicians brought themselves to this record it's like wow and um what happened is is the the title track is called sing louder and it's a song that i've been playing live and uh the 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 hook is if you don't know the words sing louder so i always encourage people to sing with me because because singing feels good back to what i said before singing just feels good right and a lot of people don't realize that because they don't let themselves sing 
singing with other people feels amazing because mm. your voices resonate together and it actually, it move, you know, sound is a vibration. It moves you. And when a whole bunch of people get singing together, it, it lifts the energy. The, the vibration is real and it changes your body because your body responds by vibrating. And it's, I, I get to feel it every time I get up on stage and I get, I do that song. There's a couple songs where people now always sing back at me and, and the more, you know, to start out with one or two voices and then those two become four and those four become 16. And you know, it's, it's exponential. They just, they just become this big choir of people who've never met who are all singing and they aren't always singing the same words and it just doesn't matter. And that for me was just such a huge part of this, uh, the past year of playing these songs. So I wanted to get that on the record and I, um, and I always, I've always wanted to capture the, the liveness and the, that magic energy of live music on a record, and it's really hard. But I thought, this is something I can. I can get this. I can bring people in, if they're willing, to, to come in and, and record. And, and just people that, the people that usually sing back at me at shows. So I put it out there, and I was expecting, you know, maybe I'll get half a dozen, dozen people who are willing to, to come into the studio and do this. Well. 50 people were like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I'll come in, yeah, what are we doing? So then it was all, you know, I had to set up a date and who could come when and, then, you know, all that stuff. And these guys showed up. So it ended up being 48 people, you know, because, I don't know, someone got sick and someone ran out of gas, whatever. But so the 48 people came into the studio, and these are people who had never been in the studio. So first they were just excited to be in the studio. And, and then I'd asked them to... Um, to think about because they were singing the, the song Sing Louder, which for me is all about, um, uh, about raising your voice and, and being heard. And so I asked them, what, what do you want to be heard about? Like if, if you could tell the world something, what would it be? I said, and, and put it on a sign so that you can hold it up so that you can be singing and you can still be, you know, letting the world know this because I, I wanted to get pictures and things. And, um, so people came with their signs that, um, whether it was, uh, one, I remember one sign said civility, and one said laughter, and one was about clean energy. You know, it was like, cool, you know? Uh, there, was, there was pride, there was love, there was, there was acceptance, all these just, just really, um, really wonderful messages. And they all came in, and they, there were 48 sets of headphones in the studio and they all walked up and picked up their I can't headphones. believe they had that many headphones. I know. Well, it's, you know, Glenn, he's, he's the bomb, man. Morningstar Studios is where I did this. And Glenn, Glenn Barrett really, um, he really rose to this occasion. So, so they all put on their headphones and they stepped up to these microphones and really stepped out of their comfort zone to do this. And they sang. And they sang loudly and they sang joyfully and it changed the energy in the room everybody everybody left there like just uh, like adrenalized because of the energy that was created with these 48 voices singing together and and along to this song so um that is captured on the on the title track sing louder and and then we had like five minutes left in the studio i was like glenn can we please do just the last few lines of responsibility. I need to hear these guys on that. So we uh, also added them on my song Responsibility, which is about, about, uh, I wrote it, I wrote it about the, um, the homeless crisis in mm. the city. And um, it's about taking responsibility for an accountability for, for the fact that we are not here alone. And, and we need to acknowledge other people's existence, even if they're, even if it makes us feel feel powerless because we can't help them, acknowledging them is makes a huge difference. So, and the last line is, "I believe, I believe it rests on me." So they all they all sang that too. So now that's on the record, and um, it just it it's it made this record what it is. Mm. They they did that. That sounds super exciting. I I remember on one of my <clears throat> my albums, I brought a few people into the studio, and it was super fun. Just like some of my friends, you know, and also people that my, you know, my producer knew that I didn't know. And this group sang, it, it was really exciting and it 
got them excited about the, the album and that brought more people to the CD release and more people that bought it and bought it for people they knew because they, hey, I'm on this album, you know? Right, right. And then, and then for the crowdfunding campaign, I made limited edition t-shirts that has all of their names on the back. Oh my gosh. Yes, everybody bought one of those. Oh. <laughs> so, you know, and they're all, they, they all are coming this weekend. This weekend is um, uh, the first two CD release parties and they are all going to be there to celebrate the release of their record because it is their record they're on this record you know and um and along with these other fabulous musicians and a gospel choir which we brought in oh. for two numbers because oh my gosh how oh, awesome the sound the, the sound the feeling the energy of voices singing together whether in unison or in harmony is is really really powerful I mean, oh yeah, I'm a choir girl. Like that's where I got my start in a million different choirs in high school, and that's what got me excited about music. That ability to just make this sound that you can't make alone. No, no, you can't. And, and because <clears throat> you know, two voices resonate, three voices resonate even more. And every time you know the resonation, if it's at a certain frequency, it makes it it makes it louder. And and that's you know that's the thing. If you want to be heard. You have to be loud. And if you want to be loud, one of the best ways to do it is to join with other voices and, and let, you know, let it happen, let mm. that, that happen and be heard. So that's awesome. I love that. <clears throat> well, good, good luck at all your release parties this weekend. I know this is going to air after that, but um, I'm sure they're going to be awesome. Um, I'm curious to find out how you, how you work all this in with your, you know, regular life of having two kids. And I mean, you know, I'm thinking right now, like in two hours when my kids get home, okay, my daughter has a reading class and my other daughter has this homework. You know, I'm like, I'm already thinking that through. And how do you balance all of that? Compartmentalize. <laughs> right? I'm serious because, because you, you know this, like when well, the only time it really fails for me is when I try to when the kids come home, I try to keep, you know, get them busy so I can do, continue doing my work. Like I have to, when they, when I'm with the kids, I need to be with the kids. And when I'm doing my work, I have to be doing my work. You are so right. I, I used to try to fool myself into thinking I could do that. Right. We fool ourselves yeah. into multitasking. No, you can't. And then you don't do either of them. Well, it's like talking on the phone with someone and while you're trying to like, answer an email or something. It's yeah. Like, you're not giving either of them, them, you know, your, your brain. So, uh, yeah. And, you know, forget your heart. Mm. So, so I, I really try, I don't say that I always succeed. Um, no, today my, my daughter was coming home and now she's 11 now, so she can come home and I can ask her to, you know, when I asked her, when Quinn comes in, Please let him know that I'm on an interview and to please be quiet. And it didn't work, but, <laughs> but she, but I felt confident that I could at least ask. And um, so, so yeah, I really, I really try to compartmentalize. And when, whenever we can, because my husband makes music with me, right? Mm. So whenever we can, we try to include the kids in the actual music making part. Um, you know, they come to festivals with us and, and a lot of shows that we do that are, if they're family friendly or outdoor or things like that, they'll come and, and I can't wait until my son can be our drummer and, and Claire can be the keyboard player so that Peter, my husband who plays keyboards can play one of the other 25 instruments he plays, and <laughs> you know, and we'll, we'll be like the regular old Partridge family. Oh my gosh. How fun. We just need the multicolored bus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> raising a band come on that's what you do raise a band totally totally i love that you don't have to hire people <laughs> right that's right so you know it's like okay this will be your your, your you got to work for your allowance here no love would, that yeah that's <laughs> funny so because this is the female entrepreneur musician like i always ask everybody what what does your streams of income look like how does your how does your pie kind of you know, stack up as far as, you know, what percentage of your income is from shows, what is from merch, what is from um, maybe licensing, and maybe you're doing, you know, teaching, like, what are all the things that you're doing? Because I think as musicians, we all kind of have to figure out what that looks like for us. And it's never usually 
one or even two things that are actually bringing in the money. Right, right. And, and it changes. So I used, it used to be shows and CD sales, were the, you know, that was the pie. And, mm-hmm. um, and I can't do as many shows now. But um, so, so I have tried to shift into doing less shows, but better shows, you mm. know, um, bigger shows. And so that, so that that can stay fairly consistent. So shows is still a big part of the income. Um, CD sales is difficult because people have trouble parting with their money for a CD these days because they feel like they can get their music for free. And, and somehow in their brains, they feel like they should. So, um, and I've also had people say to me, you know, and I, after a gig, they, they want some of the music. And I said, well, here, I have some CDs. And they're like, CDs? I don't think I have anything at home to play a CD on. <laughs> Like I know, so then the, sort of trying to transition into the digital version of selling CDs um, or selling music is th- that I haven't I haven't cracked that yet. I'm trying to um, do other merch that includes like I've I've written a book that is almost ready to come out. It's just a it's just a book of the stories of the songs, and um, I, I my intention is to sell that with a digital download of the CD. So that they have a physical thump something, but it's not a physical CD because they don't know what to do with that. Right. But they also have the music. So they get the music in a form, you know, as a download code or card or something. Um, and then, and then the, the, this physical thing, which is a book, which people still read books. They do. It is yeah. crazy. <laughs> yes, they do. So, um, so, so CD sales is, is, is evolving right now. And, um, and I really want to, my goal for this, this record is to get into the licensing thing. Mm. So, um, my husband has, we have Logic Pro and, and, um, Pro Tools here. And so we have all of our session files so that we can have our stems and, um, and I need to, after we get the CD released, I'm going to work on getting the stems together in versions that, um, you know, so I can submit them for different things. Right. Right. You can do like cues and you can do, you know, uh, instrumental only and all that stuff. Yes. Yes. And then, and, you know, we, for, for this record, because um, we really were focusing on the, the folk charts to start, that's where we're starting with this record. And then hopefully we'll move to um, AAA from there. But we, so we, um, we, kept the drums to a minimum i mean uh, not minimum enough for most folk djs but 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 i mean i have a full band so it's hard um and i but we i mixed these with the folk music world in mind and and i'd like to once this is released i'd like to get the the other versions of these songs that that i think will be maybe better for a licensing thing or for other things cuz you know nowadays you can make one song. You can you can have it be five different versions just for the same tracks. You know that's so true, right? So and we like we the intros on all these songs. We have these beautiful musical intros, and all of them are cut down. Every song is um, you know somewhere between three thirty and four thirty, um, because because they I was going for radio. You know so right. So, but I want to have, I want to have those, I have those intros to build back in to use for other things. So, so it's going to be, that's my, that's my, my goal for where I want more of my income to be coming from, because I can do that from home and I can do that without um, disrupting our family unit as much as touring does. Yep. um, So true. And that's really helpful that, you know, what you were saying about how you can kind of break those down and go back as long as you have the right files from your producer. I think that's usually one of the the downfalls of not knowing what you're doing in the studio is that people leave without all the files that they need. And yeah. then later they want to go back and they're like, can't get a hold of them or they want to charge them more or whatever, you know, so that's very smart. Yeah. And you really should, you know, you should know that those, those are your files. So yep. You, you know, for you ask them for the session files. That's, they're, they're yours. So, um, you, and, and I mean, I know like with Glenn, 
Gwen holds on to all of his. So I can go back and say, oh, you know, session files from that other see, I can't, I, I, you know, do you have those? And he's really organized, so he's got them all organized. So, but, um, but, you know, even, it, I don't know how long he keeps stuff, but so we have, we have our stuff to, to work from. And I say all this and it's like, oh, well, when, is I, when, when, when am I going to sit down and do all that? <laughs> <laughs> After the release, don't worry. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Focus on the, the, the short term ahead. Uh, birth this baby first. Yep, totally. Well, oh my gosh, this has been like the most meaty, awesome, amazing interview. I can't believe we've been talking for almost an hour. Oh my God. Like <laughs> now, it's insane. But yeah. you know, you're one of those people that like when I first started talking to you, as we said, like we felt like we knew each other already because we yes. kind of been in contact for several years. But once I started talking to you, I felt like I did already know you. So you've, you know, that's, that's great for your fans, because I'm sure you make them feel that way as well. And I think that's what we're all striving for is to, to help our fans feel like they can, you know, get a little piece of, of us. Yeah. Connection, man. Yep. Authentic connection is, uh, we're hardwired for that. It's what, it's how we find joy in our lives. is like authentically connecting with other people. Absolutely. Well, thank you for authentically connecting with all of our listeners today and let them know where they can find everything Megan Carey. All right. All things Megan Carey, there is a MeganCarey.com and uh, you just have to know how to spell the name. Which That's is, the hard part. Right. And it's M-E-G-H-A-N-C-A-R-Y. So I always remind people to make sure you put the H in there and don't put the E. Yep. Add the H, lose the E. Totally. Exactly. Add the H, lose the E. And com, And then on Facebook, if you, if you go and like my, my music page, which is uh, Facebook, Megan Carey music. Okay. You can always connect with me there and you feel free to friend me on my profile until I can't, I think we're getting, I don't know where the limit is. I just hit 5,000 like a few weeks ago and I had to start deleting people that I don't remember who they are. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. It's like, I'm at like, I'm, I'm up, up there and like, mid four thousands. And I'm like, Hmm, okay. So, but, but still, but go ahead and, 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 you know, friend me there and tell me something about yourself. And, um, and I'd, I'd love to, to connect. So those are the, the, probably the best ways you can also email me at anything at megancarry.com will find its way to me. Mm, so info at megancarry.com yep. or something like that. Yep. Awesome. Yes. Awesome. Well, she's making herself super accessible. So I hope all of you guys will go out and connect with her and listen to her new album. We'll be playing some of the songs on Women of Substance. And, um, you know, it'll be out for a while once this interview comes out. So definitely go check that out. Um, and thank you so much, Megan. It's been an absolute pleasure. Now go out and make great music, connect with your fans, and grow your business. Female Entrepreneur Musician has been brought to you by femusician.com and femalemusicianacademy.com with editing by Jen Eads of 317 Sound Design and music by Stella Ronson.